Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Chiefly Football. My name is Kinlock. I am the underqualified host. And joining me today from Kansas City is Dave. Dave, how are you doing today? Well, I'm Kinlock. I'm actually coming from the sideline here, going old school, <laughs> Mike. So I am happy to be here. I'll keep you updated to anything that, uh, that I see happening down here, <laughs> yeah. actually. So, yeah, I'm going to break out the... Uh, the 1970s Monday Night Football mic here. Yeah, I, I really don't, but I just want to do it just in case. Yeah, I can tell you that you're running quite the low budget production over there because your green <laughs> screen doesn't appear to be working. I can tell that you're in the basement and you got your work board behind you. I think it's a good look, but uh, I can see we can see right through it. All righty then. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But well, it's great to be here. Ready to talk Chiefs football, that's for sure. <laughs> yes. So those of you who are just listening on the podcast, you guys are missing out on the visuals coming from Dave's side. Not much to look at on my side. Um, so make sure you guys check us out on YouTube as well. We're, we're posting the full uh, episode on there. And we'll also be posting other videos, kind of reviewing and breaking down a little bit of the the chief's film. So keep your eye out for that. Um, also, we're going to be working on a couple articles, some, some stories that are going to be coming out. I'm working on a fantasy football piece, basically a beginner's guide to fantasy football and kind of just giving you the strategies and the things that I've picked up over the decade that I've been playing fantasy football. So make sure you guys keep your eyes out for that. And for those of you who are playing in the league with me, and are trying to get an edge and dethroning me, you guys might want to check that out just to kind of see, um, you know, my plan for taking you guys down and see if you guys could uh, stop that from happening and take advantage of that. Actually, now that we bring up the fantasy football, Dave, I need you to commit to playing in our fantasy football league. I sent you the invitation, and it was viewed in Messenger but I have not seen you register a team. So I'm kind of wondering what's up with that. Well, I've been spending all my time prepping for these podcasts. Oh, that's great. And I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> but also I think that playing fantasy football could really help you in getting to know players around the league. And that's why I have Madden. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how much playing Madden 2008 on the PS2 is <laughs> going to be helping you in today's <laughs> nfl but i mean tom brady's still here and uh there's probably some kickers still floating around from from back then but i think um yeah i think fantasy football could be good for you well we'll see what happens there ken lock <laughs> <laughs> all right that sounds like a non-committal uh not yet <laughs> all right well thanks everybody for joining us um, we're just going to get underway with kind of our review of how the first preseason game for the Chiefs went against the San Francisco 49ers. Kansas City Chiefs made a nice comeback there at the end with our third stringers uh, and got us the victory. Kind of, you know, I know it's the preseason, but still don't like to lose. So I'm glad that Shane Bouchelle was able to, to get that nice game-winning drive there at the end and that Josh Rosen, bless his heart, couldn't, couldn't do anything at the end and is now no longer with the 49ers. Um, so, Dave, who are, some, who, who are some players that stood out? We were all keeping an eye on different players and, uh, and just kind of wanted to see what they were going to show in the first, first action of the season. So who are some players that really stood out to you, either positively or negatively? Um, well, I think... Derek McKinnon, obviously, is getting a lot of the, you know, a lot of attention, um, and rightfully so. Um, I mean, he, he looked he looked good. Um, we we're excited what he's what he brought, but he also played a lot, so it was easy for you know it was a he he uh, he was successful while he was on the field. I think probably um, what I was most excited about seeing going into the game was the offensive line. I mean, not only is it a whole new offensive line, but you're talking 
you know, rookies. You're, I mean, it's just new to the Chiefs, period. And, and, you know, that's, that's really one of the areas that they often say that it takes a while for that, for that relationship to gel between those, between those five and even six when, when you got the tight end down there. Um, and I was impressed, uh, you know, Mahomes looked, looked like he was going to be staying clean. And then, you know, after that, Henny drove him right down. So I thought, I thought uh, I, I was excited about about our offensive line they didn't do anything um you know to make me question any not that i was going to question anything anyway but i was just i was excited to see that because if if they're as good as what a lot of people are 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 thinking it's going to add some new dimensions to our to our offense especially if you get the run game going and that was one of the things that i really liked seeing and it was with henny is um we were we were getting some yards on the ground that we weren't getting previously on those short yardage situations that last year we couldn't we couldn't do and and it resulted in us being horrible in the in the red zone. Um, so yeah, so um, yeah, yeah I, well, I love that. Yeah, absolutely. I think I mean the very first play of the game on the offensive side of the ball. I think Ceh got a first down. He ran ten yards. There was a wide open hole. Um, yeah, and then we went three and out after McCole Harvin dropped dropped a pass. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, just like you said, like even the next drive, you know, there's holes that weren't there before. And last year, people were disappointed with the production of Clyde edwards Eglair and all the hype that he had gotten at, he had gotten coming uh, to the Kansas City Chiefs. And it honestly, it was just because there was there was nowhere to go. He's, he's kind of a smaller guy, so he's able to fit in some of the – the holes don't have to be that big. And he had a couple of breakout games where he played really well. That first game against the Texans, uh, there weren't really big holes, but he was, he was very effective in, in making it work. But especially when you get down to the red zone, it was, it was a really rough year for him. Um, people are talking about it on the fantasy side because he gets, he gets yards and he gets usage, but he's not able to capitalize with touchdowns, which is – really tough if you're drafting a running back high and, and it hurt the chiefs just if you can't run the ball in the goal line and all you can do is throw it really limits what your offense can do regardless of how good your quarterback is and how great your tight end is in the red zone and things like that um, yeah so it, makes, it makes games a lot closer than they should be yes yeah and uh, yes just like just like you said even at the end of games that's a big deal because if you're not able to run out the clock or even if it's the third quarter we saw that a lot. The Chiefs would get a, a, a big lead in the first half. Um, and then they just weren't able to sustain drives or at least take time off the clock while they were marching down the field. And having having a solid running game where you can where you can milk the clock a little bit as the game goes on helps you keep the score you know further apart instead of letting teams get the ball back quicker um, and put up some points in garbage time. And it seems, and, and maybe you can let me know what your thoughts are, but, um, you know, kind of the indication is that this offensive line has a little attitude with it and they want to get after people, you know, they, they, which hasn't seemed to be, you know, not, not only was our previous offensive line more built to, you know, pass protect, which, you know, it, it's hard to do both. If, if, you know, you kind of, Andy's kind of picked and, you know, shows, Hey, we, you know, pass protection is most important because that's what we're going to do. Um, you know, our run game will be just an extended from the screen or, 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 you know, the, the jet sweep or something along those lines. Whereas, you know, what it, it what we're seeing is and hearing is, you know, these players want to punch the defensive line in the mouth and that's, that's got to be pretty refreshing. Yeah, well, and that's something that we we talked about for the last couple of years with the defense, and and that's what happens when you have a team. And I think the defense kind of feeds off it from the offense at times, or even from the head coach. The Chiefs' offense has always been a finesse style offense, and for a long time, the the Chiefs' defense was kind of that way as well. There wasn't a lot of, um, you know, they didn't have that hard nosed mindset, that tenacity that you'd like to see on defense, and it showed when they were when they they were giving up points or 
at the end of games they'd get worn out it was hard it, it was hard for them to bear down and finish games um especially in in the run game there just wasn't that physicality that you'd you'd want to see from from a defense and when Tyron Matthew came over Frank Clark that was one of the things that they really talked about was changing the culture of the defense to be more physical to be to attack more and to take pride in you know they brought the swagger and and you see that on the defense uh, you see the swagger on the offensive side of the ball, but again, the team was built more finesse. The offensive line—that's that's how that's what their style was. And so now with the new guys that they've brought in, Orlando Brown Jr., one of them, uh, I think uh, Smith, a right guard, six-round pick, probably going to be starting and had a good week on Saturday. That that was his favorite thing to do in college was to run block. He said that that's what he loves to do is just to destroy people and just to, to put them into the ground. Um, and then Joe Tooney, we know, is a is a very capable run blocking guard that came over from New England. So I think that they, they kind of did the same thing that they did with the defense. They kind of are changing the culture of the offensive line in bringing guys that can pass block because that's, again, that's the main concern. But, you know, bringing in people that are also confident and determined to to make their presence felt in the run game as well. All right. So uh, I think for me, um, there were a couple of players that I was looking, looking at um, jerk McKinnon. That was, a, that was a, that was a big one. And actually uh, Gene, on our Facebook page, you know, was talking about Jarek McKinnon and just was cautioning fans about the fact that he's been injured. The last two seasons, he had signed big deals with the 49ers and he was going to be their number one running back. And he just, he barely got on the field the last two years. So um, we love what we saw from Jarek McKinnon in, the, in that game, the juice that he brought, like you had talked about. Um, I mean, it really, it really, showed up on the field, especially compared to CEH, who's got a little bit of a different style. Um, but I'm really excited for what he could do. But but like Gene was pointing out, it's all dependent on whether he can stay healthy and and can make it through the season and contribute often enough to, to warrant the spot and to warrant the excitement. Um, I don't know how I feel about him wearing number one. I don't know if you noticed that during the game. That was one of the things that noticed that stood out to me was all the players wearing different jersey numbers. I saw defensive backs wearing number two and you know McKinnon wearing one. Those are the ones that really stood out to me. But it was just it was weird. And I watch a lot of college football. I'm used to, you know, single digit wide receivers. I saw Michigan quarterbacks wearing numbers in the eighties and nineties for a couple of years, which was weird. But I thought it was going to be a natural kind of going to the NFL and I'm just not sure I like it. <laughs> well, I know Tom Brady early on, he complained about it because that was how, how he could identify the safety versus the linebacker and kind of, you know, who was going to be, you know, where they were supposed to be. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm all for throwing number one on Dan Sorensen. If they, if they'll be confused and not sure who he is, if he's in coverage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i don't oh, know if, uh, he didn't change his number okay <laughs> yeah and even if he did i don't know he might have some other traits that might give him away as uh, <laughs> being the dirty dan Sorensen. yes all right and then a couple of the players and and these guys are, are two of the big names that that we've been talking about a lot of fans have been talking about deandre baker and mike hughes um both former first round picks kind of we traded for uh, Mike Hughes, this offseason, we had signed DeAndre Baker after he got cut from the New York Giants. And, um, you know, we, we kind of went into this game hoping that we could see them potentially being contributors to the starting defense. And I don't know what your thoughts were. I thought DeAndre Baker played well. He played a little bit further into the game uh, with, the, with the twos most of the time. Um, I, thought he, I thought he played pretty well. Mike Hughes, I was impressed with. I thought he did a good job when he was on the field on defense. And then he had some really nice kick returns, which I was not expecting. And when he lowered his shoulder, 
to run into one of those guys showed some toughness and um, just that that commitment. He wants to make this team. He's going to do whatever it takes. And I mean, kick returning is fun, especially when you're a defensive player. Don't always get the ball in your hands. Um, but I mean, he wasn't afraid to lower his shoulder and and take it to, to them. And you just love to see that kind of physicality from defensive backs. Yeah, and I'm sure Dave Tobe liked that opportunity. I don't know if that's kind of a, you know, uh, an indicator that maybe they're going to take some of the, you know, some of that away from Hardman from the special teams. Um, you know, it was Tyreek when he first came up. That's what he was doing. And then they kind of just transitioned him to to wide receiver as he, as he got more on his plate there. Maybe, maybe they're hoping Hardman's going to make that step and they can – really rely on him in, in, on the offensive side. And, you know, just like you said, I'm sure he was like the idea of, of being the kick return. Um, same thing with Baker. You know, I'm, I'm excited to see both of those a little bit more on the defensive side. Um, I feel, I feel good about where we are for a change in our defensive backfield from years before, just because of, of the depth that they've been able to add of, just like you said, previous number one picks. Yeah. Well, I think Brett Beach has done a great job. Uh, Chad uh, commented on our Facebook page, and that's one of the things that he really talked about was how impressed he was with Brett Beach and the things that he's done. I mean, during the whole time that he's been here, everybody talks about him being the one to get Mahomes or to really push for Mahomes. Uh, his first draft was a little little rough, but then ever since then, it wasn't. it hasn't been just about the drafts, but just the people he's been able to pick up as undrafted free agents, uh, trading for Charvarius Ward in the preseason, and he's been a great contributor. Uh, they drafted Sneed late in the round. They drafted Smith in the sixth round. He's probably going to be starting for us. Um, I mean, Jarek McKinnon, Baker, Hughes, uh, the si- signing Jaron Reed this offseason. You know, Veach has done a lot of under-the-radar things that um, are putting the Chiefs in a really good position because they're, they're able to get these players for cheap, I mean, DeAndre Baker, Mike Hughes, both first-round picks. And if he had, you know, if he basically got those first-round picks for free, you know, a couple years into their to NFL careers. But they're they're both young, and they both have all that potential. And and Beach has shown that that the you know the Chiefs and the Chiefs coaching staff has shown that they can plug in a lot of these um, lesser-known players and can get good results for them. So being able to get two defensive backs who, you know, who have all of the, the traits for a number one pick. Uh, I'm excited to see what they can turn them into. Uh, and we had, you know, we, we've had a couple of corners in here, like Breland, we've had him for the last couple of years and he was good, uh, but he's towards the end of his career. And, um, and he's gone on to, to other, another team being able to rebuild that defensive backfield cheaply and with youth is really going to help our team moving forward because we're going to have a young, young players who can develop. And we're also going to be able to do it cheaply as you know, we were always talking about Mahomes, and when his money comes due, uh, the chiefs are going to have to find ways to support him with very little money. Yeah. And I think, you know, and not only of each finding those people, but, you know, kudos to the coaching staff who are definitely coaching them up. I mean, we're pretty lucky to have Spagnolo and, and, and his defensive group. And then obviously Andy and, and EB and, um, and, you know, the coaching staff at the, at that, at the skills set. I mean, Andy's resume, as far as, you know, coaches who have left his staff, and have gone elsewhere speaks for itself, but that all lends to, you know, the type of person that he brings in is teachers. And even, even at this level, um, you know, Veach is making sure it's the right fit. And then the coaches are making sure that 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 player knows what his responsibilities are doing and getting them to do it. I mean, you know, pulling somebody from Missouri S and T and, and plugging them in um, just as you said, you know, it's, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah, we've, it, it's not, 
you know, we've got a lot, we've got a lot, <laughs> a lot of, you know, good layers there. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we, we really are spoiled here as, as Chiefs fans, you look around the league and a lot of teams have the quarterback, but don't have the coach or the GM. Some, I mean, every, most teams have one, but not the other two. Or, you know, the GMs and the head coaches aren't on the same page or they can't develop the players properly. Uh, it's just, it's very rare to have a situation like the Chiefs have right now where the front office and the coaching staff works so well together. They have the quarterback in place and the quarterback is completely bought into what the team's doing. He's, you know, working his contract in a way that helps the team. And just, I mean, you just, you, you hear the way that they talk about each other, Mahomes, Reed, Beach, and you just know that there's a lot, a ton of mutual respect there and that there's a, a really strong foundation for continued success that you don't, you know, that's rare in the NFL. Yeah, it's all about the culture. We hear that all the time about the culture of, of the Chiefs. And every time we sign somebody new, Reed has mentioned it, um, you know, they it feels like it's a family culture in there. And I think that that, you know, that, that makes a difference. We've all had a work environment. Uh, hopefully we've worked in an environment that we really felt cohesive. And as a result, everybody was more successful. And most of us have probably worked in a work environment that was totally the opposite of that. And, you know, it's, and as a result, that organization can't achieve, you know, even the sum of its parts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I guess I'll just finish touching on a couple of the, of the guys that, that I was keeping an eye on. Um, Noah Gray, I was keeping an eye on him. I didn't, didn't see a whole lot. Really the play that sticks out is the interception that happened when Chad Henney threw in the ball ball was behind him. Noah Gray got a hand on it and got popped up in the air and intercepted. Um, but that's on the quarterback. That's on the quarterback. <laughs> that is on the quarterback. <laughs> totally agree. Um, didn't see much of Nick Bolton. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to be keeping an eye on him, especially now that Willie Gay is going to be back for this game. I'm really interested to see how those two play together. Um, Cornell Powell. I thought he, he looks good, especially towards the end. I mean, Shane Bouchelle loved him at the end of that game. And he, he made some really, really big plays there in crunch time towards the end of the game. And that's, and that's what you want to see. You want to make sure that, you know, the players that you want to do well are putting good film out there. Um, and, you know, so we, we saw some good things from them. Obviously they were running against the third team defense, but I mean, you just, you want them, if they're out there against the third team defense, you want them to do well against them. Right. <laughs> you don't want them getting yeah. shut down by the third team defense. <laughs> Not because yeah, he's, he, he's, he's a third teamer right now. Yep. That's, that's what he is. Mm -hmm. And if you look good against third teamers, you could be a second teamer. That's, mm -hmm. that's how it works. So definitely uh, glad to see, to see him play well. And then Devin Key, I don't know if you have any takes on him. Uh, had some had some big plays, both both positively and negatively. Um, first play <laughs> after the play, you're just like, oh man, everybody everybody was really looking forward to Devin Key um, coming out to show what he could do as an undrafted free agent, kind of the the darling of camp, and and gets burned for like an 80 yard touchdown against the rookie quarterback from San Francisco. And, you know, I, I didn't see a lot about, you know, what people were saying, but just from the, with the people that we were watching, there was a lot of, I don't know, I don't know what you would call it, like disgust. <laughs> like just how could that happen? Oh, you know, he's not as good as, as we were hearing. Like he just ruined it with one play. And that was like the first play we saw him really. Um, I don't know if yeah. you had any thought, thoughts on that, but I, I went back and, and watched the play and, and I, you know, I felt like I saw it in real time. Like that was a really tough play for him to make, especially undrafted rookie only a couple weeks in camp learning the defense. So he's already kind of like trying to figure things out, but then the San Francisco 49ers run, this really well-designed play that takes advantage of a quarterback's really strong arm 
fast receiver, and just the fact that the defense was not game planning for plays like this. You know, the quarterback rolls out to his weak side. The whole offense, the whole defense is flowing towards him. The receiver that is on his side of the field, on key side of the field, cuts in to go to the other side where the quarterback's going. So he floats that way, and then all of a sudden, this receiver from the other side of the field runs a post route and goes over the top. Quarterback flips his hips and throws a, a bomb back the other way. Like, that's that's a really well-designed play. And so, you, ideally, if you're a starting safety in the NFL and you're game planning for offenses like this, um, you know, maybe you have a little bit more discipline. But given those circumstances, the fact that it's a preseason game, that's not a play that you often see in a preseason game. I think the 49ers really just wanted to give their quarterback some confidence and, you know, build up some hype around around him and it worked <laughs> uh, yeah I, yeah it was uh you know on on the flip side if you're a 49ers fan they were all like yes we got our quarterback this is exactly <laughs> exactly what we wanted somebody who could throw it across the field you know and and deliver an 80 yard touchdown strike right so and and like you said you know after after reviewing that it was it wasn't keys necessarily getting burned. It was Shanahan taking out a rookie is what it was. Yeah. <laughs> taking a rookie to school is what it is. And so, you know, I think that you bring up a great point that, you know, we just saw the end result, but we've got to look at the big picture and, and recognize that, you know, that was a well-designed play and, you know, it, it, that they created that for Trey Lance to be successful. And there's no question that they knew that they could dial that up, especially with, with an unproven defensive back back there, right? That there, that there was a high likelihood that that play was going to be successful uh, versus maybe having Tyran back there or somebody else. So, yeah, we'll, you know, we'll just take it with that. I do know that, you know, he also made a great play on um, saving a touchdown when Thornhill fell down. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still excited to see what's, what's, what's going to happen. You know, I think crowning him a starting safety in the NFL after training camp by a lot of media people was, is, is a little extreme. So we'll just, you know, we'll, 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 I'm excited to see him grow. Yeah. I, if people were expecting him to be able to step in and start, then they were just, they they had unrealistic expectations. I think the talk was about uh, I think the talk was about him just being able to make the team as an undrafted free agent in the safety um, position. So uh, that's that's what we're looking for. That's what I'm looking for is just to see if, if he's good enough to make the team as an undrafted free agent. I'm not I'm not looking at him to start. <laughs> I just want him right. to be able to contribute. Uh, give breathers to the safeties or fill in as a third safety when we need to, and then contribute on, on special teams. Um, so that kind of leads me, you know, talking about Thornhill slipped and fell on that play that you talked about where Devin key made the you know, touchdown saving tackle um, that, that takes us into our segment. But basically, we're, we're trying to figure out what our level of concern is for, for these storylines that are going on. And to do that, we're going to use the P scale. All right, so 10, your pants are soaked, got to get home ASAP. You just embarrassed yourself, and you're gonna, never going to hear the end of it for the rest of your life. One, pants are completely dry, everything's normal. And then maybe in the middle of five, small spot front of your pants you can cover it up with your hands or with a towel or you know bag whatever you got on you but uh still manageable to to avoid public embarrassment so so where are you let's let's start with uh hardman all right now let's let's go and start with thornhill since since that's kind of where we're coming from thornhill played almost the entire second half he was running with the threes running with the twos and it was pretty shocking to see how long he stayed in there when almost every other contributor to you know the chief's regular season was off the field so you know 
where on this P scale are you with Juan Thornhill and his ability to start for the Chiefs or to even make the roster? Well, I'm going to say that on that scale, I'm on the stage fright scale where I'm just standing at the urinal, nothing's happening. And I don't know why. And because there's all a crowd of people around and I need them to leave so I can just relax. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, there's so much talk about Thornhill. Um, you know, it looked like that he had started getting back to where he was his rookie year at the end of last season as we, as we got through the playoffs. We thought maybe, you know, he had recovered from, from his ACL. And he started looking like that, like that player that we knew or that we saw ascending um, prior to his injury. And then to see that not only is he playing – you know, at the end of the first preseason games, but he's also running with the threes in training camp. And so it's, it's kind of a mystery for, for, for me. Um, I know that there's a, there's a lot of talk going on out there. Is he, is he, is he fully recovered from his ACL? Is he, you know, what's, is he not, what's, what's is he not catching on to the mental aspects of it as it or is he just slowed down period or you know so i don't know i definitely don't have an answer for that um and so that's what i'm going to use these next couple of preseason games to see if if thornhill is is getting back to who he was or if he's just a shell out there so i'm not peeing yeah so it's just like a wait and see or is this yeah. like a, I'm frightened, but, uh, it's kidney stones. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's painful, but I'm hoping it'll pass. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, well, my, my pants are a little wet. Um, there's something running down the leg. I think, I think there's definitely some concern there that, um, that even before he was able to show anything on game film, that he was already running with the twos and threes. Uh, I think sometimes, or I would, you would think that training camp, you wouldn't really be able to tell what a player is going to look like on the field as far as like what their 100% is going to look like until they're actually playing in a game. And just the fact that they started him with the twos and threes doesn't look like a good sign because there's art, there's something that's obvious enough that, they're keeping him uh, down there. And then, and, you know, maybe it's just that they weren't sure. So that just to be safe, they were, they were playing him, you know, with the twos and threes, but from, I haven't heard anything different about him moving up for this game. I think he's still running with the threes in practice and with the twos. Um, and it's definitely not something that you want for the team. Cause I think Thornhill would be a huge, a huge piece into making this defense um, one of the best, one of you know, one, definitely one of the better ones <laughs> in the NFL. And you know, if we're having to to run Sorensen out there often, especially when teams are probably going to be playing catch up and throwing the ball a lot, probably not the matchup that you want to see with uh, with Sorensen out there. So. You know, unless unless Key is able to really step up and, you know, kind of fill in a little bit there, you know, we really need Thornhill um, to try to get back to the level that he was playing at before he got hurt. All right, and then second one. I think this is probably the biggest thing that I, I saw that was being talked about. and. And Marcus had talked about it on the Facebook page, and he is really concerned about the lack of a number two wide receiver. It seems at this point we have obviously Tyreek Hill number one, and then we have Byron Pringle, Marcus Robinson, and Nicole Hardman all looking like number threes. Um, I don't feel like I saw enough from Robinson or. Hardman really during that first game to really decide either way. Um, so I'm probably, I'm probably at a one. 
I think I think my pants are dry. Um, and there's another reason for that that we'll I'll, I'll get into in a second. Um, but mostly because there just wasn't a lot to see. Uh, Mahomes wasn't in there. He was on, only in there for one drive. Now McCall Hardman did have a drop. Um, but, I mean, to me, that's one drop isn't that big of a deal. Um, to me, it's... It's is is he running the right routes? Is he, you know, is he improving on that? Is he gaining separation? Is he running? Is he performing his role in the offense the way he's expected to? And can Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid trust him to be in the right spots and to do the right things? And to me, it, it was too early to tell based on that criteria. You you know that, you know, if they're doing all of those things, the catches will come. I don't really have concerns about Hardman's catching robinson on the other hand feels like he's probably in the right spot most of the time but he makes a lot of big drops um and then just doesn't seem to always get open pringle had a great touchdown catch in that game and i feel like he's always somebody who who tends to produce when he plays but for whatever reason he's just never able to to crack into the starting lineup um so so where are you on the P scale with the Chiefs number two receiver, whether we have one um, or, you know, whether you're confident somebody will eventually fill that role? They are what they are. As Danny Green said, <laughs> they are. I, I don't know that, you know, it's possible Hardman. Yeah, again, we've talked about this last year he didn't have the benefit of OTAs in his second year um, or, or training camp or anything along those lines. Um, and so that was a lot of a growth opportunity that he would have taken from year one to year two. So is he going to take that growth? Is he going to make that step exponentially here in, in, in year three? I don't know. I haven't seen any indicators that he is, but that's, that's what these preseasons, you know, will, will let us know as far as DeMarcus, he is what he is. We we've seen what he is and, you know, he, he I, I don't know why we would expect him to suddenly change into a number two. Um, I know that everybody loves Byron Pringle, um, but he hasn't been able to break into that lineup period and if if he if he could Andy would have had him out there Mm -hmm. so there's obviously a reason that he hasn't been able to establish himself in in that mix so yeah I don't I'm I'm all wet I don't I don't see I don't see I don't see the Chiefs having currently a number two on this roster and but you know what? But that's okay. Right. So okay. So would you say that it, it should be a high priority for the Chiefs to go out and find somebody, uh, you know, maybe a cap casualty that gets cut from a team during the preseason to fill that number two role, or do you think you know money would be sp- better spent somewhere else, or do you think we have enough tools around in the offense that the number two receiver shouldn't be, you know, as big of a concern as it was in years past? Yeah, no, I, I would go with with the latter uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one is everybody knows how complicated Andy's offense is. So the likelihood of bringing somebody in unfamiliar with that and, and getting them on the same page and performing like a number two, that's, that's a stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, best case, they might perform like a number three because uh, Andy likes to have all of his receivers you know, being able to play in all the different positions and slots. So it's, I don't, I don't see that as, as an option. I don't think you're going to bring in somebody who is going to be marketably better as a whole. Um, but I think you you hit upon, on kind of what my thinking is, is a, we've got too many other weapons that, that we can use, you know, Kelsey effectively is a number two. Or an, I mean, a one A, one B. It's it's mm-hmm. Tyreek and Kelsey. Um, then you've got Ceh, who will definitely, you know, he's been working on on 
pass protection and every trying to get to be an every down back. So I, I see him as a more viable weapon. If Derek McKinnon can stay healthy, that's an, another asset. But I think it's really going to come up to Mahomes. You know, if, if there's not a true number two, you know, he's got to elevate those other players around him. You know, I'm trying to think, you know, through the Patriots' successful years, who was their number twos? I, I know who their number ones were. I don't know who their number two was. You know, it was Wes Welker and Gronk. You know, Randy Moss, Wes Welker was probably around, but he wasn't, you know, what he evolved to be. Um, you know, you had Edelman. I couldn't tell you who their other re- receivers are. They were constantly going through, you know, that receiving core. And I'm even looking at Green Bay. You know, who does Rodgers have? You know, he has a receiver, a one. I don't know who his two is. Doesn't and have one. So, <laughs> which is probably why he was complaining and wanting out anyway. But uh, so I think that, you know, it, that would be a luxury for for our offense but i would really like to see mahomes elevate you know that that individual who whoever it is um but but yeah i'm not i'm not worried about that yeah i'm i'm with you and i think you know the one of the biggest factors in team building with the Kansas City Chiefs is mahomes's contract and it was nice to have sammy watkins on probably what he i mean he was probably overpaid i'd say he because he got us a Super Bowl victory and really contributed in the playoffs, it was worth it. But, you know, compared to the market, overpaid. And, you know, he was a good two when he was able to, to be on the field. But the Chiefs aren't going to be able to sign those tier two wide receivers and definitely not tier one receivers in free agency while Mahomes is being paid as much as he's going to be getting paid. So, they have to either rely on the draft or on cheaper free agents. Um, so definitely, you know, Mahomes is going to have to show it earlier than later, you know, being able to work with less skilled receivers. Luckily we do have Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey to kind of keep that buffer there. So there's still a lot of elite playmakers. Like you said, CEH coming out of the backfield, Jarek McKinnon, um, and and we, you know, Noah Gray, Jody Fortson, we didn't we haven't talked about yet, but he played well in the preseason game. But you know, I feel like we added Noah Gray, we added uh, Fortson, and we added McKinnon, three playmakers that we didn't have last year, and we basically just lost Sammy Watkins, and he was only on the field for you know four games out of the season. So I think we have more playmakers now than we did last year, just maybe not at the same position. But that just means that our offense is going to look different. We might have, we're probably going to have a lot more two wide receiver sets. And I mean, Travis Kelsey, he plays out wide most of the time. Noah Gray has the same exact skill set. He can do the same thing. So we could still run a four receiver set with Tyreek Hills, um, Travis Kelsey, Noah Gray, or Jody Fortson. And then you can have Hardman, you know, to add some more speed or Robinson or Pringle. I mean, they become a little bit less important because they become the fourth receiver on that, on that. Um, and that, I mean, that's obviously anticipating Noah Gray to be what we expect him or what we think that he can be uh, from the jump. But then also just seeing, you know, two wide, two running back sets. Ceh didn't get the ball in the passing game as much as people were expecting him to last year. That was kind of his calling card coming out of LSU was his ability to catch the ball. They said he was the best route runner out of all the running backs. Um, and we just didn't see it last year. And I think a lot of that is just him learning the playbook and you know, him still trying to work on his pass blocking where they can actually use him on all three downs instead of having to take him out for third down. But if you have him, Jerk McKinnon, who can run routes just as well at the wide receiver position. I mean, you most of the game, you can only have two wide receivers out there at, at times where you have, you know, two tight end sets or one tight end and two running backs. And, and you can, you know, there's so much flexibility when you have an offense and you have different weapons at all of those positions. Um, so again, the chiefs offense may not look like the same one from the, the last couple of years where we're running four wide, four wide receiver sets. And we have the one, the two, the three, and the four receivers. Um, but I mean, teams aren't, 
teams are going to be looking looking for that. They're not going to know. Uh, they're not going to recognize the Chiefs' offense as much this year, and just the creativity that Andy Reid brings, um, and just the flexibility again that tight ends being able to run routes as receivers, running backs being able to run routes as receivers. We have tons of playmakers, skilled players who can fill those roles without actually having a number two wide receiver. So I agree with you, Dave. I don't think it's really that big of a concern. My pants are dry, and um, I'm really excited to to see what this offense looks like and just for Andy Reid to kind of unleash his his creativity. Well, even if they, you know, as as you were talking about that, you know, it also was, you know, if we have a semblance of a run game, that that makes a difference as well to those number two and three receivers. If 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 the defense has to take into account that there's a possibility of running, which they had, they didn't have to last year. Other, I mean, mm-hmm. Buffalo didn't anticipate it and they got run over, but that was about it. Uh, but you know, that's I, that's another thing that can help those receivers as well. If 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 the defensive, you know, it has to account for that. You know, that that's, you know, if, if they knew it was a pass every single time, you know, I think we've seen that Hardman and those guys don't necessarily aren't going to aren't going to get free. Um, but if if there's a little bit of questioning, um, you know, that I'm excited. Yeah. Like you said, I'm excited to see, you know, what our offense looks like. All right. Well, I got some. uh some daughters that are making some noise upstairs. I think they're getting ready for bed. Time for me <laughs> to wrap this up. I still got dishes to do. And uh, so let's just go ahead and close this one out. Um, what are you looking for for the game tomorrow night, Friday night? All right. Well, we'll wrap this up quick. I'll tell you what I'm looking forward to is uh, I know on the Cardinals side, Kyler Murray, you know, they're excited to see Kyler Murray, but with his, their revamped wide receivers, Hopkins, AJ Green is now there. Um, and then they've picked up um, Rondell Moore and Greg Dietrich. So they're really excited to see what their offense is going to look like. So I'm excited to see how we've talked about our defensive backs. I'm excited to see what our defense looks like against, you know, and a, a, a pretty strong looking receiver core. So, and, and obviously with, with Murray. So I'm, I'm excited to see how our defensive backs react and on with, with this, facing some pretty solid ride receivers. Yeah. Yeah. The Arizona Cardinals, I mean, they're, they're probably considered the worst team in their division, but that's probably got to be the strongest division in football right now with the Cardinals at the bottom, but looking like a really promising team with a good offense um still trying to figure things out on defensive side but they got jj watt now and looking to see if they can squeeze something out of him at the end of his career then you got the rams the seahawks and the 49ers in that division so um definitely going to be quite the battle in that division and and i'm like you said i'm excited to see some of those players and kind of see how the chiefs match up against them uh what i'm probably looking forward to the most again is probably to see willie gay in his first action in the preseason, see how him and Nick Bolton do together uh, as hopefully, you know, just giving us glimpses of the linebacking core of the future. And, and probably just looking at which players are getting more snaps with, you know, the different teams. So if, if there's a player running with the second team, if they're getting more snaps on the first team, obviously that's an indication that the coaching staff liked what they saw from the last game or liked in practices and they want to see what they're doing. And then conversely, if they're, you know, if we see Thornhill start again, is if he's just working with the third team, it's, it's really not looking good. And, you know, I'm going to have to change my pants. <laughs> so, I mean, we're going to have problems there. So I'm, I'm really just curious to see, you know, the playing time and kind of judge based off that, what the coaches are, are seeing and thinking about certain players and and their chances of making the team and contributing you know during the regular season 
All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining us for this episode of Chiefly Football. Dave, thank you for joining me. Your insight was spot on, as always. Great to be here. Appreciate (laughs) it. Yep. We missed Staten and Marcus today. They'll be back next week, and we'll be able to bring their additional insight. Um, We are active on social media. As we mentioned, we're we're interacting quite a bit on Facebook. also active on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. So follow us at Chiefly Football. Uh, give us a follow. We really want to hear from you guys. I mean, we 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 really like to interact with you guys. Um, we love the insight that you guys have, and we like you see we 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 bring it up on the show, and we can help address some of the concerns that people have, or you know, if people bring up good points. I mean, you know, we're gonna let people know. So. Uh, you know, and that's the best part of, of what we're doing here at Chiefly Football and, and you know, getting to know all the Chiefs fans and giving everybody a chance to, to be heard on this podcast. So, uh, so find us on social media, and we'll talk at you guys later. Have a great night.